G'day gentlemen, this is video number seven in our series on breaking habits around pornography. Well, we've already covered the grounds of what is the ultimate problem and the root cause of uh, the giving over of, of uh, oneself to sexual lusts and pornography. We've looked at the necessity, the absolute necessity in this fight of having a mindset that is shaped by the gospel as we are uh, trying to walk this path of purity it is before the lord and it needs to be done the lord's way and so it needs to be on the basis of the gospel and all that is one for us in jesus uh, we had a look at the uh, absolute necessity of the holy spirit in this fight and the fact that the holy spirit is given to us in order to assist us in putting sin to death we saw this in romans 8 that that if we do not put sin to death, it puts us to death. And we saw that if we do put it to death by the Spirit, then we experience and walk in and enjoy the fullness of spiritual life. The encouragement, of course, was that the Holy Spirit is not less able to deliver us from the power of sin than Jesus was able to deliver us from the punishment of sin. Both of them are God. Both of them have been sent to do their ministry in us. So uh, lean on, be filled by the Holy Spirit in this fight. But we saw the practical and functional effect that having a uh, fear of God that is biblical has on our walk in sexual conduct and of course in all of our life. Uh, and we looked at the necessity of the Word of God, how it is our bread, it is the source of our spiritual life, it is the, the, the nourishment of our soul in this fight against all sin and for all righteousness, especially and specifically against those things which are sexual in nature that we've been talking about. Then we discovered and, and, and recapped, went over the lies that pornography tells you, that you tell yourself about pornography that empowers and enables your flesh against uh, 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 fighting it. We looked at those lies, broke them down, saw that pornography, your own flesh, like the devil, is a liar. It produces lies. And that is one of the ways that where Christ sets us free through truth, the devil and our flesh keep us enslaved through lies. And this week, uh, this video, we come to the reality um, of the, the spiritual warfare within a Christian. We're going to look at uh, walking according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh in Galatians 5. So I invite you to turn there. I'm going to be reading out of the ESV Bible. In Galatians 5, we see uh, some important principles for fighting this fight against sexual sin and pornography and lust and masturbation. I'm going to pull out four from verse 16 through to 26. Four key principles here. Let me read to you the uh, first portion of this in verse 16. I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That is important uh, news. That is great news if only we are able to appropriate it in our lives. If we can't, if we don't understand what he means, then all it is is this horrible 
uh, uh, mockery to us as it says you can walk free from the flesh you can walk by the spirit but we don't understand it and so we, we we fall short of it and wallow in sin and weakness and so it's my joy to open up the bible for you and explain what paul is getting at when he's talking about walking according to the spirit and not the flesh in verse 16 there and onwards one of the realities that we need to see that paul is getting at is You'll see it in verse 16. Walking by the Spirit means not gratifying the desires of the flesh. Doing things that are fleshly. And by Paul, uh, by that, Paul means sinful. The things which give in to the passions and desires of your flesh. Doing that leads to the strengthening of your flesh. Living according to the flesh strengthens the sin, strengthens the temptations, turns up the volume on the, the, the tempting voices, turns up the intensity on the temptations. Whereas the more you are able to walk by the Spirit, the more you are able to, by His power and according to the discipline of the Word, uh, take steps in godliness according to the Spirit, the more you do that, the more you will be able to do that. The more you strengthen your sensitivity to the Spirit. The more you increase your experience and, and knowledge of the right way to live. Basically, he's getting at this. Doing fleshly sinful things feeds your flesh. And doing spiritual, godly, righteous things feeds your spiritual strength. The flesh begets flesh. The spirit begets spirit. That's what he's getting at. If we are able to walk by the spirit, we will be powered enough empowered we will be enabled to not walk according to the flesh what this is getting at is that there's no middle road there's no such thing as walking away from the flesh in one area so that you can entertain it in another area uh, it needs to be from sin to christ this gets back to the fundamental principles this is not a fight to be done outside of the gospel without the holy spirit without the word of god and without God himself as your savior. This is a Christian fight that you must engage in. And nobody is able to really put sin to death without being enabled to walk according to the spirit. The desires of your flesh may seem so strong they cannot be overcome, but walking by the spirit is enabling and does enable you to walk without the giving in to those desires. The question becomes, which are you feeding? As you look over your life, maybe the last two weeks, if you just took that as a uh, snapshot, an honest pop quiz, you, you look back over your fortnight and don't just ask, when we talk about the flesh, we don't just mean what's under your belt. We don't just mean one organ and one certain way of sinning. We mean the flesh in general and all of the different array of temptations that comes against you. So as you look back over your fortnight, how much of that was having input by fleshly, sinful, uh, temptation-strengthening uh, uh, content through the TV shows you're watching, through the amount of time you spend on social media scrolling, the amount of people you have on social media that are posting inappropriate content that you wouldn't be happy to be showing all of your friends as you're swiping through. Uh, how much of that was spent listening to crude and crass sexual songs? How much of it was... was uh, uh, brooding over anger and bitterness that you have? How much of it was jealous thoughts and envy and coveting? 
how much of it was uh, 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 planning and plotting somebody, uh, revenge against somebody or, 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 or steaming up in your own anger. That's feeding the flesh. How much of your last week was doing that? How much of it was uh, guards down at the beach looking at uh, whatever passed you by? When you look over your last week, your, your recent past, you're going to have a pretty good picture of how strengthened you now are to fight against sin. If you've been feeding your flesh, throwing that, that animal within plenty of snacks and plenty of food throughout the week, don't be surprised when it turns around, bites you, and overcomes you. Because you have not been feeding yourself. You have not been feeding the spirit. You've been feeding the flesh. There's another uh, principle that Paul gets at here in verse 17. For the desires of the flesh are against the desires of the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the desires of the flesh. For those are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. It sounds cruel, doesn't it? God has so ordained the inner life of the Christian so that you're never fully able to just park it into cruise control and cruise along the road of life. You're constantly in need of pushing against what you want and fighting for what you deep down truly want. Here's what I think it means when it says that, that the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. That's pretty obvious. Holiness and sin are, are opposed to each other. The desires of of uh, of being godly and the desires of being ungodly are opposed to each other. That's obvious. But why does it say, so that you uh, you cannot do what you want to do. They are designed that way by God to keep you from doing the things you want to do. What I think this means is that uh, if you were able to live in the spirit and lose all desires of the flesh, if there was a way to live in the spirit in a way that wasn't particularly antithetical to living in the flesh, or at least your flesh didn't perk up and start screaming and writhing and barking whenever you were walking according to the spirit, if that was the case, then you would become, basically it's like jumping a track in a train. You, you, you get off a train, you get off the flesh train, you run to another platform, you get on the spirit train, and now you're safe. And you can fall asleep, and you can hang out, and you don't have to worry about the flesh because it's on an entirely different track. It's not like that because God does not want us to become uh, relaxed, to become uh, preemptively sabbatical. <laughs> our, our eternal Sabbath is coming and until then there's an inner warfare that needs to be waged. He, he wants us to be continual. God knows that we are at our most holy, most God glorifying when we are intensely praying, relying on him, struggling by his power to live holy lives. And we don't do that if there's not this internal pull. Secondly, I think it's saying that, that God has designed that the desires of the flesh and the desires of the spirit are against each other so that when you are walking in the flesh, you're not able to remain there. As a true child of God, I know you've experienced times when you have given far too much food to the flesh. 
when it's grown strong and your spiritual uh, strength has grown weak and you're overcome by it once and then twice and then maybe in the specific situation of pornography it, it, it's been months years since you've looked at it but then it it takes you at a moment of weakness you fed the temptations and now you 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 stumble across and fell face first into its temptations and you didn't put up a fight then you get back up and you try and pray and then it takes you again and again you give into it and again you seek it out and again you're sinfully rebelling against god's word that you thought you had overcome so long ago and, and now you're in this 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 pattern it feels like a habit again god's spirit and the desires that he gives to you are opposed to the desires of the flesh so that in those times and in those regrettable seasons you are unable to go to sleep easy you're unable to stay there remain there and be fine with it but that God by his spirit is sticking you with rods and is poking you with thorns. And, and, and like the Puritans used to say, God hedges in the way of his children with thorns. Along the, the pathway of righteousness, along each side, to the right and to the left, where we're tempted to go, God has put thorns. So that we, his, his loved children, as we start to get distracted, as we walk off to the side, we, we, we are met with pain and the pricking of conscience. And we turn ourselves back to the right way. The desires of the flesh and the desires of the spirit are against each other These uh, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Thirdly, we see here in Galatians 5 that a works-based mentality, a works-based mentality before God, which we spoke about in video number two, a works-based mentality is the first step to overcoming the spirit. Overcoming the spirit. A workspace mentality, in other words, is the biggest, juiciest stake that you can throw to your fleshly side. The flesh that, that is hungry for sin, that loves temptation, that wants to throw you into the bellies of hell. It is strengthened by nothing more than a works-based mentality that forgets the finished work of Jesus and forgets the grace of God in the gospel. I'm going to show you two verses. Verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. If you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Do, do you see what he's saying? He, he's reminding you that as, as you're told by Paul here, by me in this video, walk according to the Spirit. Live out life according to the Spirit. Live out the desires of the Spirit. As I say that, one of the first things that will be coming to your mind is, I won't be able to do it perfectly. That's such a high standard, a ridiculously high bar. I'm going to end up falling at some point and the law will come back down, crashing onto me. I'm going to face judgment and condemnation. I, I, I can't do that. I can't be perfect. I can't meet that standard. And Paul reminds you in verse 18, what are you talking about? A, a standard and a quota and a level and a bar that you have to reach. I'm not talking about a performance uh, level anymore. We're not talking about a graded exam anymore. You're not under the law anymore. You're under the Spirit. The Spirit by whom we cry, Abba, Father. 
the spirit of the son. You're an adopted child. The spirit is given to you as a promised gift. He'll never let you go if you drop below 50%. You're not under the law anymore. You're under grace. You're under the spirit. And he is with you to help you regardless of how many times you stumble and fall. That's such good news. He, he said the same thing back in verse 1 of chapter 5. He says, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. The epistle of the Galatians was written by Paul in the context of the Galatians giving into a works-based gospel that added to faith in order to be made righteous to God. So you believed in Jesus, you had faith, that was great. What these people were teaching the Galatians was, what you then have to do is just have circumcision and then you get all of the benefits of Jesus Christ, all of his mercy and forgiveness and righteousness and, 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 and gifts of eternal life. That all comes to you when you have faith and circumcision. And Paul wrote to them saying, deny anybody and any gospel that adds anything to the finished work of Jesus. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. And what's he talking about? He's not actually talking about a, a lifestyle of sin yet. He's talking about the first thing that we do, which gives way to and which opens the door for a lifestyle of sin, which is relating to God on the basis of our own work. That is deadly to the gospel and it's deadly to Christians. When you relate to God on the basis of your works, you're relying on the law, and that's why you have no confidence, no assurance, and you just give up. That's why your flesh is so strong. That's why temptation is so loud, because you're relying on your own works. If you remember video two, if you remember that your mindset needs to be on the finished work of Jesus, on, by the grace of God and by faith alone, you are made right before him. Therefore, you are freed up, not freed from the obligation of holiness, but you're freed to pursue holiness, not afraid of failure because you're not under the law anymore. And number four, something we can pull from this is uh, from verse 19, of course, through uh, 24, he, he lists the, 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 the fruit of each, the fruit of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit. And they're an amazing section. Go and read it in your own time. But in verse 25, again, what he pulls out is this. This is our fourth principle. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. If you are those who have life through Jesus Christ, by his grace, by faith, if that's you, then you live by the Spirit. The Spirit gives you eternal life. The Spirit has given you Jesus Christ. The Spirit gave you a new heart. The Spirit gave you Christ's righteousness. If you live by the Spirit, also walk by the Spirit. Or as he will say in another epistle in Colossians, he'll say, if your life is with Christ, then set your mind up there and live holy down here. So, so our obligation now is, if we have received the eternal life by the Spirit, we need to now walk in a manner that reflects that eternal life by the Spirit's power. If we are in him, let us walk according to him. 
So brothers, the, the work needs to be, the work that you are going about in killing pornographic lusts, in killing sexual sin, it needs to be a fight that pictures your spiritual life and the, the flesh within you that is so given over to temptation and that is part of the old man that you will finally let go of in the new creation. But until then, until death, he stays with you. You need to picture your work in holiness as starving that flesh, bringing it to weakness. This is what John Owen talked about when he said mortifying the flesh. He said, how do we kill something? To kill something is to take away its vigor, its energy, and its sustenance. You might do that by choking it. You might do that by beheading it. You might do that by slicing its throat or its wrists and letting it bleed out. You might do that by starving it. You might do that by suffocating it, turning off uh, any vent towards oxygen. Whatever you do, you need to cut off the vigor, the life, the energy, the sustenance to that thing. And that's what we're doing to our flesh. We're starving it. We're choking it. We're slicing it open. We're starving it. We're suffocating it, smothering it, letting it break down and and when it's given, the, the, the smallest of morsels, it gets its energy back and it starts swimming. So let me ask again, in your life, what are you feeding? What are you giving life and sustenance to? The spirit by the means of grace or the flesh by feeding it the fruit of the flesh? John Owen said that when we are seeking to put sin to death, and, and you've clicked on this video because you're trying to put sinful, sexual, lustful, pornographic sins to death. That's good. But we cannot put sin in particular to death, right? One particular sin. You can't actually think you're putting that to death if you're not taking a wide angle and putting sin to death in general. So you won't have the strength to fight just sin in sexual, lustful, pornographic uh, uh, areas if you're also being lazy if you're also not watching your tongue if you're also running your mouth at your wife if you're also being dishonest if you're also being stingy and ungenerous if you're also giving up and, and refusing to share the gospel with people all sins feed the flesh any sin will feed the flesh so maybe you choke it out Sexually and pornographically, you, you starve it. There's, it's getting nothing by way of pornography or anything like that. But you're feeding it stinginess, selfishness, pride, arrogance, coveting, enviousness, uh, enviousness. You're feeding it those things. It will be just as strong as if you went on a week-long pornographic bender. Any sin will feed the flesh. So all sin has to be cut off in our attempt to overcome it by the Holy Spirit. Again, we're not demanding perfection. We're walking by the Spirit and doing what we can to cut out all sin, not making excuses for some sin. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10 uh, shows us that the mindset of this inner spirituality is one of warfare. The spirit against the flesh and the flesh against the spirit is 
warfare. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand firm in the schemes of the devil. Verse 13, take up the whole armor of God that you may, may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. This is warfare language. And so we need violent language. We need violent mindsets when it comes to pornography. It is not. The devil is not. Your flesh is not playing a fair PG rated game according to the rules. It's seeking to destroy you, turn you into a pervert, turn you into a rapist, turn you into a molester, turn you into a sick, defiled uh, version of the man God has made you to be. So you do not play nice. You must be violent in the spirit. You must take righteousness by, by spiritual force. You must be dedicated like a warrior is who has been put in the pen with an enemy who has been demanded to kill you. That is our mindset around sin. John Owen, again, the great Puritan writing in uh, The Mortification of Sin that I recommended a few videos ago. If you've been reading that, you'll, re you'll remember this line. He says, He cannot pretend to be growing in holiness who does not walk over the bellies of his lusts. Can, can you picture it? The bellies of a man in front of you are inside of him. You cannot pretend to be growing in holiness if your lusts are not being sliced open and their innards gushing out in front of you and you stepping over them. The only way towards holiness is over the dead body of our lusts. He went on to say this. Every unmortified sin will certainly do two things. So unkilled sin in your life sin that is let to grow free and strong unmortified sin will certainly do two things one it will weaken the soul and deprive it of its vigor so it'll, it'll stop you from being energetic and soul it'll weaken your soul and two it will darken the soul and deprive it of its comfort and peace if you're a christian that's walked in patterns of sin before and I guess you are if you've clicked on this video, you know this, you recognize this. Sin in your life that is not killed weakens your soul and deprives it of its life and it darkens the soul and deprives it of its comfort and peace. This is what sin does and why it is so necessary to be sowing into the spirit so that we are not sowing into the flesh. The more we sow into the spirit, the more we weaken the flesh.